As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for 12 months. It's an outrageous deal. Honestly, it's Black Friday. Today, you're listening to this on Black Friday. This should be the first Black Friday deal that you should get today. It's You're honestly probably stealing from us. It's an unfair deal to us that you get this deal. So you better get it now. Theathletic.com slash NBA show. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. And Alex, today, it's a special day. Day after Thanksgiving, you guys are full of turkey and stuffing and sweet potatoes and all the things, unless maybe you don't live in the United States and you're just full of normal food. But with that, maybe you're traveling, maybe you're listening to a podcast on the road and you're just like, man, I just want to know what's going on with the rookies and what's going on with the draft because you're wondering that we brought in Sam Vecini from The Athletic. Sam, what's up, man? Not too much. I just had a very lovely elderly woman knock on my door asking Mm. where the closest dental clinic was. So that's, you know, what's going on. There's a bus stop right outside the door. So sometimes you get some randoms that'll knock on your door. Like, hey, how do you get here? How do you get there? Was she trying to walk? She's trying to do a walk-in to a dentist? No, she had the address for the dentist. And I actually don't think it was all that close to where I live. So I'm a little bit confused by her tactics. And yet, wow. <laughs> you know, she she seemed very nice, and she did, forgot did she, she had all... a phone in her wallet to call a taxi as well, which was oh. interesting. Did she recognize you and say, uh, "Sam, can you tell us a little bit about Jordan Hawkins?" Did she any? Did she give you any? No, no, but like I did, I did like when she forgot that she had her phone in her pocket or like in her purse or whatever she had. I was like, "Am I being bamboozled here?" Am yeah. I going to walk back into the house and somebody has like leaked around oh, to the backyard? It's a good and move. And just like sneaking in. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, do I need to be concerned Us. here? But, you hey, know, I have a big vicious dog who's five pounds. So I right. think he takes care of me. Uh, speaking of bamboozled, Sam, your rookie rankings come out today. I don't know how that relates. Uh, for most people, the discussion at the top has been Chet versus Wimby. When deciding on the ranking, how did you go about comparing these big men and 
who is being asked to fill they're being asked to fill two very different roles on two very different teams so how did you go about this yeah i went about it just in terms of who i think has been more effective to this point and to be frank i don't really think it's all that close i do think it is chat i am somebody that when i do these rankings i give real latitude to players that are asked to do more and asked to be put in positions that could be extending a little bit above their skis early on in their careers in the sake of development, right? I also just think that we're at the point with Chet Holmgren where he is currently averaging 17 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two blocks, has been utterly phenomenal throughout the course of the start of the season that not only is he being asked to fill a significant role on both the offensive and defensive end of the court. I mean, the Warriors game last weekend was just utterly absurd. He also is filling a significant role on defense that the Thunder have had sort of. I mean, I think Jalen Williams got a little bit underrated as a rim protector last year, if only because if you add in all of the charges, uh, bizarrely, it does lead to a significantly lower percentage of shots made at the rim. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but they haven't had a dude like this as a rim protector in a long time. And frankly, I think Chet has been hit or miss so far defensively. There are moments where I think he's outstanding. There are moments where I wonder, how did you get into that? position kind of with like his body turned i think his hip mm -hmm. turns have been a little bit odd so far defensively for somebody that i think the world of in terms of his upside on defense he's one of the most anticipatory and intelligent defenders that i've evaluated as a teenager in my life so when i put all of this together even taking account for some of the defensive things that chet has brought to the table i really don't think it's all that close I do think that Chet is very clearly the rookie of the year through the first month. And we'll see if that changes throughout the course of the year as Victor gets his feet under him and as he continues to grow and mature. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, I remember a couple years ago, one of the big surprises early in the season was how quickly Scotty Barnes's offense was translating compared to pre-draft expectations. Have there been any similar surprises for you this season where a guy is doing things that you just didn't see on his college tape? It's a great question. Not really. It's kind of okay. like, it's it's not a fun answer, I guess. But the closest might be that, like, I think that Bilal Koulibaly, whose usage rate is like 12 right now and is remarkably low. Like, the fact that he's ready to play in the NBA is somewhat surprising to me, although we mm -hmm. noted that in the preseason and saw that he had a real chance to be an impact defensive player. Uh, he's hitting like 45% of his threes. We'll see if that holds uh, over the course of his season. I'm a little bit skeptical, given that he's shooting 57% from the free throw line and it takes them quite a bit of time to get that shot off. A lot of the shots are quite open at this point. Um, yeah, I don't really think that there is a guy that like I can point to and go that like they're doing something that's surprising offensively. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Okay. Yeah. T tell us your thoughts on Derek Lively and the role that he's filling in Dallas right now, because he's he's somebody 
that I wasn't so sure would contribute right away for Dallas. Yeah. That would play right away. And you started hearing murmurs out of camp that, hey, the Mavericks really like Derek Lively. Hey, Derek Lively, he's going to start. I was like, wait, yeah. whoa. And a lot of people are like, wait, might want to pump the brakes on that. And then he plays one game and everybody's like, actually, don't pump the brakes. Like, let this guy go. <laughs> like, he's he's ready. Yeah. Um, tell us what's different about him. Did you? Is this surprising to you at all? Uh, give us your take on Derek Lively. It's surprising to me insofar as I thought it would take him a minute to get up to speed. At Summer League, he was not particularly effective. And at Duke last season, it took him a real minute. Like Ryan Young started games for Duke last season over Derek Lively, which is a crazy thing that happened. And it was in part because Derek was not quite up to speed yet in terms of staying out of foul trouble, uh, being able to consistently impact the game offensively. I think that what we've seen from Derek to this point, though, is very similar to what we saw in the second half of Duke season. I thought that by the end of the college season last year, Derek Lively was the best defensive player in all of college basketball. He was so versatile in the way that you could use him in ball screen coverages. He was an elite rim protector. There were just so many different facets of his defensive game that I thought translated to the college level. I just thought it would take him a minute once he got to the NBA. He's quite skinny offensively, what exactly was the role going to be beyond pick and dive to the rim? The -hmm. good news is that he hasn't needed more than that at this stage. And on top of it, there have been some flashes of him being able to expand beyond that with his passing ability. I've never been a big believer in Derek Lively's shot. That is one thing that people pointed to throughout the pre-draft process last year as a potential differentiator for him. But I do kind of like his passing ability. And I think that he's comfortable with the ball in his hands in that mid-range area when he's not super crowded. And he's been able to make some interesting reads on top of just being your patented. I'm going to screen for Luka Doncic and Kyrie, and I'm going to run to the rim. It's been very simple. And on top of it, I mean, Dallas's defense falls off of a goddamn cliff when he leaves the court. Uh, It it truly, truly does. If you look at the numbers with Luka Doncic versus without Luka Doncic, uh, I think they give up like 122 points per 100 possessions when Luka is out there uh, without Lively. If you look at it with Lively, it's like 115 per 100, Mm -hmm. which still like 20th in the league, but not this is the worst defense in the league bad. So Mm -hmm. I look at what Derek has done. I'm a little bit surprised, but that's why I have lively at number three in the rookie rankings. It's just simply because he is contributing in a really positive way to a winning situation right now, uh, in a way that some other rookies are not necessarily. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for doing that. And, and lively seems like a great example of how important fit can be. Uh, another guy I think yeah. of is Casey Wallace, who just kind of ended up in the perfect situation where his strengths are immediately yeah. highlighted. Are there any rookies who you feel are struggling early on specifically because of the situation they are in where maybe the fit hasn't been as perfect? Yeah. I mean, look, like when do we want to have the scoot conversation, right? Because look, scoot has not been awesome in the five games that he played before Mm -hmm. he got hurt. I turned his ankle in a game against Detroit, if I remember correctly. And the fit has not been ideal for scoot and it's, 
something that we see with a lot of young guards who go to these bad teams. Spacing is the great drug of the NBA, right? Spacing makes everything look better for younger guards offensively. It makes everything look better for everybody offensively in the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers have abysmal spacing. Matisse Thibel was largely in the lineup when Scoot Henderson went down. Tumani Kamara, who has been an impressive rookie in, in his own right to this point, was also in the rotation and has now since moved into the starting lineup for the Portland Trailblazers. Neither of those guys are shooting threats. Uh, I don't know what Kamara's offensive role is going to be long term. Thibel doesn't really have an offensive role, I think it's fair to say at this point. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton has not rolled to the rim often enough. Uh, let's go with or ever. Like, I, I honestly don't know if I've seen him roll to the rim, like all the way to the basket once. Do you know how many? He shot, ni- he shot nine. I was about to say it. That's I right. I was about to say it. Nine. Did I catch a Nueve. in there? Yeah. Nueve. Like, That's are you it. Walking through a walkie talkie right now. Uh, <laughs> seriously. DeAndre Ayton is seven foot, 260 pounds, and mm-hmm. dudes bounce off of him. Roll hard to the basket, please. That's how you create space in the mid range for Scoot Henderson to be able to be effective. And look, Scoot has been all over the map so far. The game looks fast for him. Uh, he has not shot it well, obviously. Being a teenage guard in the NBA is the hardest thing there is to be in the NBA, I think. It is so difficult with how many things that you're managing on a possession-by-possession basis, trying to get other people involved, trying to find your own shot, trying to adjust to the speed of the game all at once, right? Yeah. You look at the way Scoot was playing, I thought that it all came down to just the final product for him because things were moving quickly. I thought that in those five games he played, he got where he wanted to on the court. It wasn't an issue of, oh, he couldn't get here. He couldn't get there. He didn't have the burst, didn't have the explosiveness. It was just, okay, things are moving a little bit fast. The court's a little clogged. I'm not making shots right now. We're adjusting. And he looked better, I thought, over the course of his last two games that he played after those initial three that were really rough. And we'll see where he goes coming back from this. But I think that the fit around Scoot, I would love to see Portland, you know, have more shooters on the court potentially. And I think that this is a conversation worth having as well. This is kind of a different conversation. I'll kind of tilt the question on its axis a little bit, maybe. I love what I've seen from Asar Thompson in flashes and I love the way he moves without the ball. I do wonder about the fit long-term between him Mm -hmm. and Cade Cunningham. And this is something that I talked about when he was drafted. Uh, It's something I've talked about since, and we've seen it because Monty Williams exacerbates this by playing Asar Thompson and Killian Hayes together with Jalen Duran a lot of the time in starting lineups with Cade Cunningham and gives Cade literally no space to operate. But what I've always envisioned for Cade, because he's not the most explosive athlete and is instead like a super processor of basketball who can decelerate and everything at a super high level, I've always thought like a spread court pick and roll attack was the best scenario for him. And 
based off of who Detroit has drafted uh, in Asar Thompson, I think Jaden Ivey and Cade are going to be a fine combination. We saw that uh, on Monday night when they play yep. Denver, Jokic got kicked out and everything. But the way that Jaden and Cade, I thought, played off of each other was really strong. I love that Jaden can bend defenses with his speed. I love that Cade can bend defenses with his uh, manipulation in ball screens. And then you have Jaden who can you know, drive to the basket off of those manipulations, everything like that, right? But Asar Thompson, you know, Isaiah Stewart playing the four, Jalen Duran, who I think could be a really good rim running partner for those guys. That I worry about the way that all of these pieces fit together as a young core. Like the Pistons front office, as James Edwards reported on Tuesday, can talk all they want about, oh, we haven't seen this roster together. We need to get a better feel for where everything is. The problem to me is that you're building around a core group of four guys here that you've drafted highly in Cade, Jaden, Ivy, Asar Thompson, Jalen Duran. Two of them can sort of shoot in Cade and Jaden, but neither of them are great shooters right now. I think Cade is a little bit better of a shooter than the percentages say, but he's not a great shooter right now. Jaden can knock down catch and shoots, but he's not great. Asar can't shoot. And then on top of it, Jalen Duran, I think can't shoot. And currently there are, two players in the NBA that have a sub 20 usage percentage that are averaging over two and a half turnovers per game. Uh, they are Jalen Duran and Asar Thompson. Neither of them have really been able to play with the ball in their hands effectively yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I worry about the way the roster fits together in a real way in Detroit. I feel like you you could see our questions because that was exactly one of our questions coming up, Sam. I wanted to ask you about that. Because, yeah, on the one hand, like I feel like Troy Weaver like hit on those two picks. Like Jalen Duran, Asar yeah. Thompson. Like, I feel yeah. like he nailed it. But then on the I'll, flip I'll side, honest, it's like... I think he hit on the Jaden Ivey pick. Jaden Ivey looks good when Monty Williams plays him. Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying, but then you're left with this core which doesn't really seem to fit. And I agree with you when I hear that argument that like, we, you know, we got to get healthy. Bogdanovich is out. Monty Morris is out. These guys who could potentially provide spacing. That's great. But those guys aren't going to be on the next like g- great Pistons team. Like it's probably going to be somebody else. And so you still come back to that core and you need, you need something, you need something in that core to allow for this spacing. And yeah, I was, I was going to ask you like, do you think in 2023 you can function with two non-shooters on the floor, like could, could the other two piece, other two pieces around Cade be so good at spacing that you could survive with like Asar and Jalen Duran never really developing a shot? No, in that case, no. I think there are cr- lead creators where you could make that work. I don't think Cade Cunningham is one of them uh, because he's not like a crazy athlete. Right. Okay. If you have yeah. somebody that's a super explosive athlete who's going to be driving in transition and doing things like that, then maybe uh, I think it's more plausible. Like, honestly, Oklahoma City, like we can talk a lot about how Lou Dort has knocked down three pointers this year and looks way better out of the corners, I think, specifically. But mm-hmm. it's not like teams like really guard Lou out there for the most part. Like Josh Giddy does not get guarded out there for the most part. Mm-hmm. They play two guys that are not great spacers, but they have a spacing five man, which really helps open up the court. 
And they have Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is a walking paint touch, right? Yeah. Cade Cunningham is not necessarily a walking paint touch in isolation. You need a screener to be able to do things. When you're Shea and you don't need that screener, you can operate with spacing a little bit differently, right? If you're Caden, you do need the screener. That means that with Jalen Duran, who's not going to be a shooter, in my opinion, you're always going to be probably facing drop or you're going to be facing blitzes to get the ball out of Cade's hands. And then with Asar, you're always going to have that backline defender at the basket. And Asar has been fantastic as a cutter so far. He, have you guys looked at his offensive rebounding statistics yet and like how they compare league wide? Yes, it's absurd because he's number two behind Mitchell Robinson. And there's like no wing. I think the next wing is like Sadiq Bay at like 39th in the league. <laughs> it's, absurd it's absurd how good he is yeah. as an offensive rebounder. Hmm. So I look at all of this and I just say that I think this team has been incredibly poorly built from a core perspective. And that's always been my concern with the Pistons is just fit. I mean, you look at the teams that are having success around the league right now. The rosters make sense. They fit together for the most part, mm -hmm. right? Denver is a testament to how having a roster that fits together around your superstar is how you actualize that player. Oklahoma City, I think, is a prime example of this. They take guys, as I've talked about on this show for years now, great positional size, elite level processing of the game, and high-level skill. that That's their equation. You know, skill in some regard. Josh Giddy, one of the 10 best processors in the league from a passing perspective. Cason Wallace, you know, great defensive player and can shoot, right? They're looking for that intersection of talents. And because when you have high processors, it just automatically kind of fits together. If you have guys that know how to think the game like you can use case and Wallace as a freaking short role player as a screener like they have a lot of the time this season and make it work because Kaysen just naturally understands spacing and ball movement uh you know Philadelphia this year I think they're a testament to fit and how last season they played guys that were a little bit bigger and a little bit bulkier at times next to Joel and then they also played uh two guards in Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, who didn't necessarily want to defend, and Tyrese wants to defend. That's an unfair characterization. He's just small. Now you have Tyrese running the show. You have floor spaces around him. You have defensive players there as well. And their offense under Nick Nurse just looks drastically better. There's a lot more movement. There's a lot more synergy. The fit is where the league is going. You need to find guys that fit around your superstars now because the super team era is coming to an end. We have seen this with the way that the collective bargaining agreement has made it incredibly difficult for teams to be able to accumulate three and four stars on a team like the Golden State Warriors, like the Los Angeles Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. Miami Heat, right? Phoenix is just going to say, fuck it, and we're going to go for it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're just going to pay whatever we have to pay under Matt Ishbia. We'll see if it works because the CBA not only has punitive uh, luxury tax, but they also now have real limitations in terms of roster building rules wise that they've put into place to build around those players. Fit is 
even more important than ever, in my opinion, around your superstars. And I'm worried about that with Detroit right now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to talk about three different guards that went in the first round. Jordan Hawkins, Kaysen Wallace, Keontae George. Like, Give me your take on those three. Like, Give us your, your ranking of the three. And then like, yeah. just, just give us a little bit on each one. So are we talking short term or long term in terms of the ranking? Oh, let's let's actually go long term. Give me give me your long term yeah. for these three. I would take case in one of that group for sure and wouldn't really think twice about it at this point. Kaysen's ability to come in and just be that efficient like gap plugger, I guess you could call him for Oklahoma yeah. City, right? He's a plugger all right. He's- has filled every single role that they have asked him. They ask him to guard threes. Sometimes they ask him to guard Stephen Curry. They ask him to be a floor spacer in the corner. They ask him to occasionally run ball screens. They ask him to be a screener. It's the versatility of his game that I think really, really stands out. And frankly, being in Oklahoma city, which in my opinion, and I'm sure you guys will love to hear this. I'm not just saying this because I'm on a show with you guys. I think that they are the best incubator of talent in the NBA at this point, just in terms of developing guys and making it work. So I would take Kaysen at one. I would take Keontae George at two. I'd Keontae much lower than Jordan Hawkins on my pre-draft board. I think what we've seen from Keontae just in terms of losing a little bit of weight, getting a little bit of burst back from what was uh, kind of a sore knee at Baylor, he's really been able to play with a lot more creativity and burst and be able to get into the lane and make passes more than anything. That, that's the part of his game so far for Utah that has impressed me most has been the passing ability. Uh, he, he really, really has upgraded their ball movement to such a substantial degree from the moment that he entered their starting lineup. He's averaging like five assists per game in that time versus only two and a half turnovers. Uh, He is shooting poorly, like he's like shooting 30% from the field or something like that. And even while he's shooting 30% from three, I feel like he's been a drastic upgrade on the guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, just because he doesn't pound the ball into the ground. He's moving it around. He's getting that thing going uh, around the court. He's been impressive while also, again, having to be faced with being a teenage point guard in the NBA, which is exceptionally difficult, right? Uh, as we see by the shooting percentages. So the third guy, I guess I would say is Jordan Hawkins, which is funny because I have Hawkins highest in my, you know, rookie rankings right now, which is the ranking of this season so far. I, I really like what Jordan has brought to the Pelicans as a floor spacing option off of movement. This is exactly what he did at Connecticut. And I think Willie Green has found really creative ways to use him as a screener for Zion, taking flare actions from Larry Nance, uh, coming off of pin downs, everything like that. You know, being an exchange guy on the backside that finds open threes that way, either from the corner or the wing. He's just really good at finding these different uh, avenues to be able to create three pointers. There have been some moments where I think he's been effective handling the ball and being able to attack closeouts. I I don't really know what he does after he gets into the paint, I think is kind of my issue. Uh, He he seems to struggle a little bit with finding, okay, I can't really finish at the basket yet. I'm not an elite passer. I'm just like an okay passer. Maybe that's the route eventually is he just becomes like a much better processor and passer uh, than he is right now. 
but it's a bit of a struggle once he gets into the lane, I think, off of those closeouts. And then defensively, like it does feel like they have to hide him to a pretty substantial extent. Whereas with Kaysen, like Kaysen's going to be a awesome defender. And with Keontae, like, uh, look, I, I don't love Keontae's instincts on that end, but, you know, they're probably about pretty close, I would say. But I, I love what Jordan's done this year. Like, I, I think that Jordan is a potential starter in the NBA long term. Like, I think the Pelicans should be very happy with him, but I would take Kaysen and Keontae ahead of him right now. Yeah. I like, I like Jordan in that he just takes a ton of threes. I mean, he is just able mm-hmm. to take 12 in a game, which is like an important skill 100%. is to be able to find that many threes to take. And the biggest concern whenever I saw him in person is like, he's just really small. Like he, his, yeah. his size is really going to hurt him down the road, but I've really, enjoyed what he's done so far uh sam we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about the 2024 nba draft class looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back after that quick break. Alex, would you like to introduce this 2024 class to us? <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam, I'm very excited to talk about 2024. Jeff, you just came out with your first mock. You also did a mock podcast on Game Theory Podcast. 
Um, I want to start by asking a question that I already know the answer to because you discussed it on Twitter, but I thought it was a really important point you made. And I want to dig in a little deeper because when anyone talks about this being a weak class, one of the things you will often hear in response is, you know, well, the last time the experts said that was 2020 and we got LaMelo, we got Ant, you know, Halliburton, Bain, Maxie. What is your response to that criticism of 2024 draft coverage? So, yeah, this is one of those things that drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, every year, there are going to be players from outside of the top 10 that emerge into, you know, all-stars, high-level starters, etc. right? That should have been taken higher. It's the reality of evaluating teenagers in such a nascent stage of their development. The problem with comparing 2024 and 2020 is that 2020 had three guys in LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman. I think I had it LaMelo, Ant, Wiseman. I might have had it LaMelo, Wiseman, Ant. I, I can't remember which way I had two and three that year. I had them all in tier two, though. All three of those guys, and we can talk about the efficacy of whether or not Wiseman should have ever been there, right? But all three of those guys were considered elite level, top one or two tier prospects from the moment they hit the draft cycle, basically. Yeah. Uh, or in LaMelo's case, from the moment that he played at the NBL Blitz and looked as good as he did. Uh, and the draft cycle kicked off in November. I had LaMelo at number three or four, I think, by, uh, I think, November, like mid-November, early, or like late October. So, something along those lines. Uh, mm -hmm. This is all off of memory. If I'm wrong, I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to like obfuscate in any way, like what my past rankings were. I'm literally just doing this off of memory. Um, throughout the year, from November onward, December onward, something like that, I had Anthony Edwards one, LaMelo ball two, or LaMelo one, Ant two in that ballpark. And that was a long cycle. From that point, that was like a 12 month cycle because uh, yep. that was the year that the draft got moved back due to uh, COVID 19. So there were players in that class that were identified as being all-star caliber players early. No one really in this class, save for maybe one player right now that I will, we'll talk about momentarily here, I think has really emerged into that level of player yet. I think this draft class has a chance to have some really interesting depth in some of the upperclassmen. I think that this class, once you get outside of the lottery, is probably just going to be totally fine. But at the top end, there is not a ton of talent. And oh, by the way, the people that will point to, oh my God, the 2020 draft, it was this incredible draft. It was unbelievable. There are currently four all-stars from that draft, let's call it, right? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, uh, Tyrese Maxey, and Anthony Edwards. I, I mean, who do you think are going to be the other all-stars from that class? Do you think Desmond Bain makes an all-star game? He could. He could. He could. I agree. Yeah. 
I think yeah. that if you made me take the over under on Desmond, and this is someone who loves Desmond and like genuinely only wants the best things for that dude as a human being, he is awesome. I am a huge fan of him. And like as someone who like got to know him in the pre-draft process, I really, really want him to succeed. I think I would take the under personally. Uh, what, about Poku? what about uh, Poku? Poku? I would unfortunately take the under. What? Uh, Jaden McDaniels. Do you think he makes an all-star game? Probably not. What about Vassell? Devin Vassell. Maybe. Yeah. Like de between Devin Vassell and Desmond Bain, I think that one of those two probably make an all-star game, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so too. Yes. The average number of all-stars in a draft class for like the last, I think it's like 12 years or so, something like that is 5.6. Yeah. So that class, even with the emergence of Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey plus Ant and LaMelo at the top. That class still is below average in terms of all-stars yeah. in all likelihood. At the very least, it'll be average in terms of star power. Then we get to the number of busts there were at the top. Yeah. From James Wiseman, Killian Hayes, Smith. Isaac Okoro is a disapp disappointment as a top five pick. Pat Williams. Uh, I think Obi. Pat Williams is a disappointment as a top five pick. I think Obi Toppin is probably a disappointment as a top five pick. Like you run down the list. I, I get why people want to try and straw man this and like defend this. But like, if you, this is, if, if you do this year after year and understand the process and understand what goes into it and what matters, it's very difficult to come to the conclusion that the 2024 draft was an above average class. I think I would say. Do, I don't think you were covering the draft in depth at this point, but do, do you know, like the 2013 cycle, like was yeah. Nerlens Noel seen as that level of prospect or, or Oladipo? Nerlens coming into the year. Yes. Oladipo was in emergence throughout the year. Typically. So I've done the math on this as well. I've had of the, over the last four years, I've had 15 tier one or tier two players, basically mm -hmm. uh, 10 of those players were tier one or tier two entering the season. So that means five of them were not, which means, you yeah. know, 1.25 emerge into that per year into that status. And again, we'll talk about who I think might be doing that right now, but it's, to compare it to 2013, the two drafts that I hear most commonly associated are 2013 and 2000. Uh, oh, 2013 brutal. is <laughs> Anthony is Anthony Bennett, and then Victor Oladipo. That's uh, like the Alex Len class, Cody Zeller, uh, Giannis, Stephen Adams. Yeah, Giannis and Gobert went in that class, and there are great players that came from that class as well. Like you know, again, Giannis is going to be a top. 12 15 player of all time conservatively and he was in that class rudy was in that class there have been three all-stars from that class one of whom is victor oladipo uh there have been some high level starters cj mccullum uh you know stephen adams you know, dennis schroeder kelly olenic guys like that not a great class. And then the 2000 NBA draft was, was I believe crazy. that's Kenyon 
Yeah. yeah. It's uh, Kenyon Martin, Stromile Swift, Darius Miles, Marcus Spizer, Mike Miller. Uh, your, can, can you name the three all-stars from the 2000 NBA draft class? Uh, I'm looking at it. I know Michael Red was one. He's a one-time all-star. Yes. Um, oh, boy. God, I'm it's looking a wild at the names. Turkaloo? Did Turkaloo no, make the all-star team? Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking at the Trivia names, time. and I can't even... I, can't I get even to turn the tables on you guys right now. This rules. Uh, yeah, this uh, is like, who is it? Kenyon Martin made one. Okay. Uh, okay. That Jamal McGlore. Jamal is your, Oh, yeah. Jamal McGlore. He, he made one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like in a weird like 2003, 2004 season. It was like you had to, have a, had to have a center. Yeah. Had to have an Eastern yeah, he, Conference center. He made it over uh, LeBron. He made it over rookie LeBron. <laughs> it's absurd. This is, this is just uh, crazy. But those are those are the two classes that yeah. when I talk to scouts, and again, like Alex said, I certainly was not around in 2000. I was 10 years old. Uh, in 2013, I was like, if I was publishing stuff, but like I had no goddamn clue what I was doing at that point. So like, please do not throw draft rankings at me and say like, Oh, like you had this guy here, this guy here. Mm, I did have Anthony guy. Bennett tenth, if I remember correctly. Mm. Uh, so I feel okay about that one. But yeah, no, I mean it's it, it, that's the kind of draft class this one is right now. Yeah. So let's let's try to spin it positive, even though we've we've yeah. kind of we've we've been diving negative. Let's spin it positive. Is this class deep with any specific kind of player or an archetype of a player? If we're looking for a shooter, is there like a, like, I know there's a lot of bigs in this draft. Like, is there a, a specific kind of player that if teams are looking for, like you're going to find it in this class? It's a great question. As all of your questions are, Andrew. And now I'm just literally trying to buy time. This is stalling. This is stalling. It's not even true. This is just stalling. hundred percent stalling. It's true, but definitely stalling. <laughs> I, honestly, like, I don't know if I would say yes to that yet like i i think that we need to see more of this class because i think that a lot of what you currently see on mock drafts including my own is going to really shake up throughout the cycle yeah. uh my my personal board looks drastically different i would say than what the mock that got published was because oh, really? the mock is like what teams yeah yeah like feedback after i make like 30 phone calls and everything um the the personal board is like my personal board and it does look very very different hmm um i want to ask you about the g league ignite because the roster's uh, full of prospects once again but as you were talking about on a recent game theory podcast the roster construction not great what are the main issues with the ignite and which prospects do you think could see their draft stock most affected because of it yeah, so I think they don't really have a great point guard. Uh, London Johnson is like a semi-interesting potential second round pick in my opinion, but not 
no, he's like more of a combo than a point first and foremost. Mm-hmm. They brought in David Stockton. David Stockton has not been great in the games that they've played to this point. So that's one issue. Another issue is that they have a lot of dudes to turn the ball over all the time. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Salt Lake Stars mm-hmm. versus G League Ignite game. Uh, what did they lose by? 58 or so, something like that. They had 34 turnovers in that game, which I think is the highest number I've seen in a professional basketball game previously. (laughs) Feels impossible. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was quite rough. They have a lot of dudes that are just like either threes or fours that aren't great ball handlers, kind of. Like Ron Holland is like a guy who plays really hard and is more of a three right now at six foot six and crashes around and has a great first step and can drive. Modest Bazelis has not played yet, so let's remove him from this equation. He played against Perth. He was okay against Perth, but I think it's worth removing him for a minute. Uh, Izan Almansa, Izzy Almansa, who is a guy that has been incredibly decorated over in Spain is one MVP of three youth level competitions, uh, world cups, European championships. He maybe like, doesn't quite know what the role is. Like he's more of like your short role, skilled, big who can have some touch around the basket, but isn't very vertically explosive. He hasn't been great so far in the regular season, not a great athlete. Uh, you know, Babacar Sané is like a hard playing three, four Thierry Darlin from like a ball skill perspective is like a three right now. The guy that has really stood out is Tyler Smith. He is like a six foot 10 lefty with a really smooth shooting stroke who is like kind of your like maybe like a decade ago stretch four man kind of thing where you probably don't want to play him with the five. He's not a great defender yet, but if you can have him on the court, and he can space the floor, you're, you know, quote unquote, uh, playing modern basketball, you know, 10 years ago, right? He has been really productive. I think he's the player that has helped himself most from this situation so far. And it's just because he does the little things. He runs to the basket. He sits in the dunker spot. He knocks down threes. Uh, he plays out in transition well. I think he's been pretty good. And I think we're at the point where I would have him like right around 20th, something like that on my board. Uh, personally, he, he's been really, really excellent. So it's, it's still really early in the college basketball season, but has there been a player or two that's made a big jump on your draft board? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of open to any potential outcome right now. So I'm sliding guys up and down <laughs> like crazy. I feel like yeah. just given what this cycle has brought. I I would say Isaiah Collier is the guy that I have at number one right now, just like pretty, not Mm, clearly, but like I do have Collier at one six foot three, big physical guard who has a great first step plays almost like kind of a fullback at the point guard position where he's able to drive into the paint. He will jump up into your body to try and draw contact and draw a foul, but he has that body control and strength and balance while he's in air to be able to readjust in midair and be able to finish. His shooting has been a little bit better than what I expected. Was always known as a really high-level passer in high school, and that has transferred. Uh, He had six assists in their first game against Kansas State. 
Turnovers have been a bit of an issue. I think that he still has like a pretty wide potential of outcomes, but athletically he looks very capable of getting to his spots in the way that a NBA point guard needs to at the very least. So I would say he's someone that's helped himself. Uh, Is he the name that you mentioned earlier as could potentially be like that tier one too? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy where like, if he's a tier two guy by the end of the year, uh, which for me is like realizable, like real all-star potential, right? Like obviously these guys can come up and up and down, but like if you're a tier two guy for me, I, I think that like your median outcome is like all-star borderline all-star, like something like that level. Mm. Uh, Collier, I think, has a chance to be that. Uh, I really like Ryan Dunn at Virginia. Like, he can't really do offense yet, but I think he might be one of the best defensive wings I've ever scouted. He is unbelievable flying around uh, in help. He's great on the ball. He's capable of guarding, like, bigs at the four and the five, in addition to switching out onto ones. Uh, He had a game against Florida where he had, like, seven blocks, and then he had a game couple days ago where he had like five or six steals like he's he's just all over the place every single time he takes the court defensively he hit 40 percent of his threes in high school so there's some hope uh he's one of these late growth spurt guys as well um was very short when he was early in his high school career and then kind of sprouted up later on kind of like a trey murphy situation so maybe the shooting comes around in some way shape or form uh then just like a few other guys like Reed Shepard at Kentucky is this six foot two, like white kid that has unbelievable feel for the game and impacts the game, like without taking shots. And then also is a 40% three point shooter. Uh, so far this season, I think they've played like five games and he has, I think it's like 24 stocks, like an obscene amount. Just his hand eye coordination hmm, is wow. absurd. Uh, and he's a great passer. He's he, I think he's like led them in plus minus like every game. It feels like because his introduction into the game, just clearly he is ahead of DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, guys like that. He really helps them every time he's on the court. Uh, Dalton connect is a kid at Tennessee. Who's been able to knock down shots at a really high level so far. Uh, six foot six high level athlete. Uh, Oso Iguodaro is a guy that I've always really loved at Marquette. Um, but again, these are guys that, you know, I think are potential late first round picks, not like, you know, yeah. not guys I would say are lottery picks in a normal draft. I was, uh, I was listening to your mock on, uh, on the game theory podcast and you know, this, it was like an introduction for me to a lot of these guys. So I was just seeing like what, which of yeah. your descriptions jumped out. And one of the ones that jumped out to me was your dis- discussion of Jacoby Walter, uh, six five yeah. guard at Baylor. You described him. You said that he was the last year the best high school player on the best team. He had a big first game, twenty eight against Auburn. You like his scoring ability. You like his defense. You had him at seven on your recent athletic mock draft. What are the main drawbacks to his game that kept you from putting him higher? Uh, so he's played four games so far. Do you want to guess how many assists he has? Well, I know this answer. <laughs> it is one. <laughs> Is one. Uh, he's never been like a super high level passer. Uh, from a seeing the court perspective and everything like that, uh, he still has some work to do. Also, he's not a guy that like is a great ball handler. He's not a guy that really 
separates from his man at a super high level. He just finds shots because his footwork is unbelievable. He's always on balance. He's capable of getting to his spot when he wants to. And those guys, sometimes they're Cam Thomas and they can just make it work. Yeah. Other times they're uh, Rashad Vaughn, right? And yeah. it's hard for them. So I think he's a better shooter than like a guy like Rashad Vaughn was, and he's much more capable defensively. He, he's better than Rashad Vaughn. I don't mean to compare the two of them. I'm just saying that when you have a skill set where you don't get a crazy amount of rim pressure all the time, and you're not like a high volume three point shooter quite yet, and you struggle to separate occasionally, so you're going to be taking some contested shots. There the the ceiling and the floor is still pretty wide, I think, for Jacoby. Uh, I want to ask you about Alexander Saar. Actually, I really have I have two questions. But tell me about Saar. You have him go number one in your mock draft. Uh, number one, why? And then the, what kind of big does he profile to be? Yeah, and I'd have him at two on my personal board. And this is like kind of a statement of what this draft is the guy that he reminds me most of is kind of like a nick claxton who is mm -hmm. you know seven foot one great defensive upside very skinny very mobile moves his hips extremely well for a seven foot one guy great lateral speed uh real weak side rim protection instincts just a really really sharp defender for somebody who is that age he comes in and he makes an immediate impact for perth perth was uh over the course of the last uh, at least last season, they were, I think, the worst defense in the league, if not the second worst defense in the league. Currently, they are the third best defense in the NBL. And I think that he's made a big impact there. Uh, you know, I think Christian Doolittle, you know, former Oklahoma star, shout out uh, Oklahoma boys here. He is. He, sorry is interesting. Now, he does have touch. He has potential to shoot. He has kind of a side spin on his shot right now that I think needs to get excised in terms of his consistency, being able to like knock that down uh, with regularity once he extends out beyond the NBA line. But he gets great trajectory on the ball. Uh, you know, for somebody who has that side spin, like he like the ball rotates in the air. Um, it's just that he needs to get like the offhand interaction off of it a little bit, I think. I think he probably will shoot it, unlike Nick Claxton, who, again, another guy at Georgia that took threes, at least, didn't make them yeah. at a super high level, but took them. Uh, a big part of why I had him, I think I had him like 20th that year or something in that class. He, a lot of their skill sets are very reminiscent, I would say. And Nick, in my opinion, has turned into a top 10 defensive player in the NBA and has been fantastic for the last couple of years. So, it's not a player that you want to take at number two or number one or number five even, but it, it's like a valuable player. And that's more than anything what I'm looking for in this class. Like I'm just looking for guys that I know can play basketball, like that can really, really play like Ryan Dunn. I know that he can defend uh, Trey Alexander. Like he's been really terrific as a combo guard. He defends like he does a lot of things. That's um, the other guy I was wanting to ask you about another Oklahoma boy, Trey Alexander. Um, love it. Why why should I not love Trey Alexander? On my personal board, I have him at eight. I love him. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. And uh, I really love the way that they're using him this year. They're using him a lot more on the ball 
this season, uh, allowing him to be the creator next to Stephen Ashworth, as opposed to last year when Ryan Nemhard was there. Ryan Nemhard was the point guard and Trey played off the ball. I think that what you're going to see with Trey is like he hit 43% of his threes last year playing off the ball. And now this year playing on the ball, he's going to average, you know, 20 points, you know, seven rebounds and seven assists or six rebounds and seven assists or something like that. Yeah. So teams are going to be able to project kind of both roles, I think. And those are the kind of versatile players that I think really translate well to the NBA uh, when you're trying Mm -hmm. to project players playing next to stars. Uh, before we get to trivia, do either of you know a uh, f- free trivia question for you? Do you ever know Trey Alexander's cousin? Who is his cousin? Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> why don't I know this? I know I've seen this uh, before. I'm going to be mad when you say it. It's Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Uh, Trey Alexander went to right. Heritage Hall. Weird. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Sam, thank you for answering all our questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat. Our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against a beat writer this week, Sam Bassini. Sam, you've played this before. You love this game. Uh, Eight questions. This time, all about this year's draft class, not 2024, 2023, that you just did rookie Hmm, rankings for. Now on The Athletic. So all these questions will be about those players in the draft that are currently playing. Um, You get to pick a number between one and eight to start us off. Get it right, two points. You get it wrong. Andrew has a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, where would you like to start? Seven. Question number seven. There are 11 rookies who have scored at least 20 points in a game this season, and we're going to name them all. So, uh, Sam, you're going to give me a name, and then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth till one of you stumbles. So, a current rookie who has scored at least 20 points in a game. Wow. Uh, Chet Holmgren. That is correct. Andrew. Victor Wembanyama. That is correct. Back to Sam. Uh, Brandon Miller. Correct. Andrew. Um, let's see. Oh, um, Jordan Hawkins. That is correct. Back to Sam. Brandon Pajemski. That is correct. Back to Andrew. Pods. Um let's see. How many are there? How many are there left? Uh there are still six names. Six. Still a lot six of options. Names. A lot yeah, there's of options. a lot of options. Um gosh, I don't know if this guy's done that yet. It's only twenty oh, points, boy. Andrew. Oh, Not boy. that big of a deal. I know. Has Sasser done it? Sasser has done it. Marcus yeah, Sasser. That was my next guess. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sam. Oh, five names left. Um, <laughs> Julian Strother. That is correct. Yeah. Back to Andrew. That one. Ooh, Four names cut. left. A deep cut. Four names. Um, God, has Asar done it? Asar has done it. He did yeah, it once. Yeah. All right, there are three names left. Could you guys sweep feels it? Feels risky. <laughs> feels risky to think Sar could put Bilal? the ball in the hoop that many times. Bilal did do it. Bilal, cool. Yeah. Bilal. Bilal. Andrew, there are two names left. Two Rookies names who have left. scored at least 20 points in a game this season. Oh, man. I don't know if this guy did it or not. 
And I will say all these questions are as of uh, Tuesday afternoon, midday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gosh, I don't know. if I know that he's had a couple like good Mm -hmm. shooting games, but I don't know if he's hit that mark. Has Grady Dick done it? Grady Dick has not done it, Andrew. I'm sorry. It was Jaime Jaquez Jr. and Craig Porter Jr. Ranked number 14 on the rookie rankings. Okay, that's two points for Sam. Andrew, board is yours. Oh, boy. Number one. Question number one. Who is the only rookie in the top three for total points, rebounds, and assists in the 2023 class? Points, rebounds, and assists. Points, rebounds, and assists. Is it Chet? It is not, Andrew. It is not Chet. Sam, you got a chance to steal? Uh, I believe it's a SAR. It is. And in fact, I could also add it in steals and blocks. I was going to say that almost felt too easy that it was a SAR. I know. (laughs) That was one of the easiest questions I've ever made. Uh, Uh, Okay, Sam, the board is yours. You're up by three. Three to zero. That's bad. That's really bad. Number six. Sam, did you know Andrew's been really bad at trivia this season? Really? Yeah, he's like one in Well, four. typically I'm the one where he can get the, get the, oh, you know. I won last week. I won going? last week. Come on, man. Yeah, your first win. Looks like you're back to your old ways. Okay, yes. question number six. Bilal Kulabali has played 13 games. How many three-pointers has he made? Now, you get to choose oh who answers gosh. first. You can make Andrew answer first and then go higher or lower, or you can answer first and go higher or lower. If either of you get it absolutely correct, you get a bonus point. So, I think I know the actual answer here. Ooh, uh, so you could get you could I get just three like points. Flat guess it. Yeah, you'd get a bonus point. That'd be three points. You that would kill Andrew's hopes and dreams. Yeah, I really would. I believe it's it really eighteen. Would. All right, Andrew. The bar's been set at eighteen. Would you like to go over or under? Can, can I go? That he's guessing the exact right number. Can I guess no, that? No, you cannot. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. Over, under. I guess I'll say under. Andrew, that's incorrect because 18 is exactly correct. Yeah, I kind of figured it was. Three. I just did, I did the write-up on Bilal. That does help. I was impressed that, that he, he was like 18 for 37 or something like that. Yeah, eighteen to thirty-nine. So it, it's 18, a lot of really open ones, and it's That's you know great. he's knocking them down. I'm, uh, Andrew, I'm you're, it will hold. There's been three questions. You are currently down six to zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say this. It, so I think I'm probably like two and four or something. Like Andrew's probably four and two against me, something like that. Possibly, possibly. All of them are blowouts. I feel like. Oh, yeah, so you're getting them true. back. It's true. Yeah. Oh man, this is this is rough. Uh number 2. Andrew's getting a little taste of his own medicine. Okay, Andrew Jordan Hawkins made 27 three-pointers through his first 10 games, which tied him with this 2009 draft pick for most made threes through the first 10 NBA games. 2009. 2009. Most threes through the first 10 NBA games. It's Jordan Hawkins and this guy. 
They both hit 27. I mean, there's like a very obvious answer, but uh-huh. it makes me think that it's not that guy. So mm. I'm going to go with Brandon Jennings. Andrew? That is correct. Yes. For two okay. points. Nice. I mean, obviously, like the obvious answer is Steph nice, Curry. Nice, but nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I, I wonder how many ridiculous. he hit in that 55-point game. Um, had to be it had to have been a lot. Had to have been a lot, lot. you think. You know Jennings what? was so much fun. He was so much fun. Remember when he left the draft and then he came back? Yeah. And he was drafted. Yeah. He um, God, he was he was awesome until he wasn't. He was seven of eight for three in that game. Wow, that was cool. Wow. Um, okay, Andrew, uh, it's now six to two. Sam, you have control of the board. Number three. Question number three. There are only three 2023 first rounders who have yet to make their NBA debut. How many can you name? One point per correct answer. Yet to make their NBA debut. Okay. Oh. Oh, man. This is sick. As of Tuesday afternoon. As yeah. of Tuesday afternoon. Just in case, just in case <laughs> they played tonight. God. Like, haven't played any minutes at all. That is correct. Yeah, because, like, even, like, Whitmore and Jarris have played a little bit. They've played some. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I have at okay. least one answer, but I don't know if it's I'm right. like running through the bottom of the draft class right now in my head. I know. Um, <laughs> and this is first rounders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I'm like trying to think of like guys that might be like hurt right now even. Yeah, that might this is Andrew. Could this, this be the start hard. of his comeback? I think I the last so. question might have been the start of his comeback. To be honest, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is hard. <laughs> you have any guesses? Kobe Buffkin. That is yeah, he's played. He's incorrect, played. Andrew. You have a chance to steal he's three played. points. I'm pretty sure Hood Scavino hadn't played yet. That is one for one yeah. point. Can you name either of the other two? And I think the other two are the two players from the uh, from the wheel team last week, which is the Brooklyn Nets and Derek Whitehead and Noah Clowney. I think that those are the oh. other two because I remember. Andrew, not- that is absolutely correct. It is currently yes. six to five. Andrew yeah. has control of the board, is only down one. He has come all the way oh. back. Wow. I should have gotten the Nets, guys. That's gross. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Question. I, I had the benefit of, like, four. we watched that team and talked about them, and then we didn't have anything to ask about them because there was there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we did nothing. Yeah, they're, they're not fun. Uh, Andrew, this is a very fun question. I, d- I couldn't okay. tell how hard it was, so we'll, we're about to find out. Vasily <laughs> uh, Mitsich is a 30-year-old rookie for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Since mm-hmm. 2010, there have been seven players who are at least 30 years old during their rookie season. Can you name at least three? So you don't get one point per correct answer. You have to name all three guys out of the seven. So these are 30-year-old plus rookies. 
30-year-old plus rookies. So you're going to name three names. I'm not going to tell you yes or no until you've named all three because I don't want to cheat. Give Sam any hints. Oh, my gosh. What? Since what year? Uh, since 2010. And were they were these guys drafted, undrafted? Like, what's the what's the deal here? They can be anything. It's just they played their first season in the NBA after the age of thirty. Oh my gosh! Similar to our friend Vasilye. Vasilye, whenever they whenever he makes a shot in Oklahoma City, they the announcer goes Vasilye. It's funny because nobody calls him that. Thunder players call yeah, him Vava. They call him Vasa. He likes. He introduces himself as Vasa, and then Kenrich Williams decided that he's just going to call him Vava, and so like a yeah, lot of the guys call him Vava now. That I'm works. stalling. <laughs> I'm stalling big time <laughs> because I don't feel like I know the answer to this question. I feel like God, who is who's the guy for the Lakers that was the G League guy that played a ton. He's like a G League legend now, but he's. Now there there is a there is a reason I only chose I said name three so I mean that's yeah part of the question sure sure I don't know my my brain is like done out I don't know that I can even name any I think I'm I think I'm bowing out I think I'm just done my brain <laughs> has turned off all right Sam uh, you have a chance to extend your lead the guy that Andrew thought of is definitely the guy that first came to mind Andre Ingram. Andre Ingram. That's it. And now I now I can say yes because it's only you. Yes, that is one of yeah. them. There were two Ingrams on the team. That's what was yeah. cool about it. Yeah, that's that was, not what was cool. that's what that was, was cool the only thing it. that was cool about it. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a math tutor from a G League, but like doing super well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, thirty. Uh, oh, um, dang it. Oh man, I don't think he was thirty though. Maybe was Vincent Poirier thirty? Uh, uh, he was not. I don't okay, so think he was. The names I thought yeah. you guys would get was Pablo mm-hmm. Prigioni. Yeah, oh, dang. And then uh, I thought he was uh, before that. To be honest with you, so oh, like really? the hand up. That's yeah. And then uh, Teodosic. Teodosic. Yeah, oh, I I was I was like vaguely thinking of them. And then uh, Pero Antich, uh, Marcelo Huertes, oh. Oh, and Sasha Khan, oh, and Aaron Jackson. Sasha Khan. Wow, Sasha Khan. Who was who's the last one? Uh, uh, Aaron Jackson. I almost said Alan Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Don't rock the jukebox. Okay, so it is now time for... Uh, and no, it's Sam. Sam, no, control eight. the board. Question number eight. All right, still six to five. Still a close, close game. When this rookie is on the court, opponents have scored eleven point six fewer points per one hundred possessions than when he is off the court. That difference is the biggest among all rookies. Who is it? And just to let you know, this isn't some like guy who just played one game. Minimum of yeah, three hundred yeah. minutes. So it's it's a guy who's played. Oh, okay. Wow. Big impact defensively. 11.6. 300 is a lot of minutes. It is a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes. Derek Lively? That is 
Incorrect. Andrew, Damn. you have a chance to steal. You could tie the game going into the final oh question. Gosh. Is it Case and Wallace? Oh my gosh, Andrew. No, it's not Case and Wallace. It's Tumani <laughs> Kamara from the Portland uh, Kamara. Tumani Kamara. Now, this is oh, very exciting, man. Andrew. We've come down to the final question. I love it. Okay. We finally have like a close match here. We this finally is, yeah. have a close match. Andrew, if you get this, you win the week. If you don't, oh, you lose. Word. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. And it, I, this question may be impossible. Okay, here oh, we go. Boy, Last year was a great year for people who like watching rookies take charges as OKC's Jalen Williams took 43 charges, which led the NBA. Wow. This season, wow. however, not as much fun for those people. There's only one rookie who's taken more than one charge. Who is it? A rookie that's taken one charge. No, more than one. There's more several than that one charge. More. more than one. There's only one rookie who's taken more than one charge. More than one charge. This is for all oh the marbles, Andrew. I I don't know this. <laughs> but you got to make a know. guess because if you, the, what if you randomly got it? If you randomly guess, it'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to guess Pajemski, but I just have no clue. That's a shot in the dark. For what it's worth to be before Alex answers this, yeah. I will say that was also going to be my guess, too. Okay. The correct answer was Brandon Pajemski, Andrew Weir of the Week, 7-6. Yeah. to six. Wow. God, that, this feels so good. I feel so good right now. I've not felt Andrew, this good during an Andrew versus good. the Beat in a long time. You just came back time. from zero to six. six I did. It, it felt wow. impossible. We were calling it. We were calling it. We were like the uh, we were like the Warriors after Andrew Wiggins hit that shot. Everybody's celebrating like the like it was over. No, like no, no. Here's over. Andrew. Andrew Holmgren. It's not, it's not over. It's not over. Hey, uh, please go subscribe to the Athletic and read uh, Sam Vecini's mock drafts and his rookie rankings. Also, go listen to the Game Theory podcast. It's a great podcast. Also, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. And watch it on YouTube. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for coming on, man. Anytime, guys. It's a blast. I always have so much fun with this show, even though Andrew kicks my ass every time in trivia. It's great. Yes.